0: The following program is sponsored by Evangelical Life Ministries. Welcome to the Liberty Alert with Gregory Seltz, sponsored by our friends at the Lutheran Center for Religious Liberty here in Washington D.C. A program that cuts through the chaos and confusion in the culture today by talking to kingdom citizenship, old biblical principles for a robust public Christian life. And now your host, Dr. Gregory Seltz. Good day. Good day, Washington, D.C. and friends of the program all around the country. I'm Gregory Seltz. Welcome to the Liberty Alert, where every week we try to cut through the noise and take on the issues, especially the public issues that matter to people of faith. Today on the Liberty Alert, we're privileged again to have with us writer, professor, uh, director of Cronach Institute, Dr. Gene Veith. It's great to be with you. Good to be with you. Yeah. A lot of the books that you have written have been very helpful in the work that I do, and now you know I'm I'm in Washington defending our church for the sake of of the culture and for the sake of the mission of the church. And a lot of what you're writing is just giving information about what some of the challenges are, and that's what I want to talk about today. You, You wrote a book back in 93, and it was called Modern Fascism and then The Liquidating of the Christian Worldview. And I want you to unpack that, especially the subtitle. Because we'll get to the whole thing about fascism and what it communicates in our culture. But I still run into people in our church who don't see this movement. They don't see this movement uh, that, that really has the Christian worldview in its crosshairs and thinks of us as a nefarious entity that needs to be put not only in the basement, but maybe just put away for good. So unpack that for us. Why did you choose that title? What, what was the thesis of the
1: book? well most people know what communism is and what they what communism believe but very few people seem to believe what the fascists believed what the the nazis believed Mm -hmm. and they characterize it as conservatism which is not it's almost the opposite anybody that believes in a small government personal liberties uh constitutional rights traditional religion traditional moral values that's the opposite of what the fascists were all about in the early 20th century. Yeah, that so, would be anti-fascist,
0: <laughs> yeah. right?
1: Okay, go ahead. And so uh, I studied, uh, I'd studied, i studied that and seen it in my university education and then as in grad school. Uh, so, so I, I was trying to get to the bottom of this, and then grad school and studying. English, that, that there were several things that happened. Uh, there was a book about uh, Martin Heidegger, the great mm-hmm. existentialist philosopher, who's the foundation of so much contemporary thought, That he and showing that he was not only a Nazi, he was one of the most radical Nazis uh, of them all. Then there was wow. one about Paul de Monde, the father of deconstruction, which right. was a big part of postmodern thought. He was a Nazi. And uh, so I wanted to Put it together, and uh, CPH had a monograph series. Asked me to contribute something, so I did. Fascism was a modernist movement. More specifically, it was—it's a postmodernist movement because the the elements of postmodern thought the, to blossom today, the basis of that can be found in the Nazis of the and fascists of the early twentieth century. I called it liquidating the Judeo-Christian worldview because here's the best way to understand fascism and a lot of what we're seeing today. The Nazis wanted to eradicate the Jews, but it wasn't just a matter of race or bigotry. What they wanted to get at was the what they considered the Jewish influences on Western thought, right. such as... The value of the individual, the notion of a transcendent objective moral truths, the concept of a God above nature, you know, the role of reason and objective thought. The, uh, these are all Jewish ideas that they believe led to uh, modern alienation and our destruction of the environment and all these other things. Now, the source of those, quote, Jewish ideas is the Bible. Right. And interestingly enough, as I show in that book, a number of the liberal theologians, the higher biblical critics, those historical critics were pro-Nazi.
0: Yeah, I find it amazing that some of the intellectuals of the day were actually very comfortable with the ideological foundations of fascism, and that should scare us all because ideas have consequences.
1: Yeah, they really do. One of the things I said in the book back almost 30 years ago, a set of ideas is emerging from today's academic world. This is what the fascists were saying in the 1930s. Individual identity is a myth. Identity is determined by culture and ethnicity. Laws and social conventions are only masks for power. Right. Moral values are constructed. Reason, objectivity, and language, and truth in general—these are, are an illusion. We construct these. Now, th- those those things are just commonplaces in just about every major university in the country and among a lot of highly educated people. Those specific doctrines are fascist doctrines. Those are the foundations of, of fascist philosophy. Well, and people aren't seeing the connections.
0: Yeah. And you know, one of the things that I run into today, and this is why, you know, modern fascism was like, ah, because if you actually, you had already pointed this out. You said, if you say the word fascism today, most people think, oh, you're talking about conservatives or conservative Christians. I mean, that's what they, that's, that's what people think it means. And I'm sitting there going, my gosh, we've got to communicate what you're talking about so that people hear, we're talking about the liquidating of the Judeo-Christian worldview. And we're talking about the liquidating of views that are fundamental to our society. I mean, the Declaration of Independence is built on these Judeo-Christian worldviews about transcendence. And so I love that quote that you have by Ernst Nolte where he says, "Uh, fascism is a practical and violent resistance to the transcendent. And I call it secular statism. And so, again, how do we, first of all, how did we get to the point where they were, that the fascists themselves labeled us when we're the anti-fascists, truly? How do we actually communicate the situation we're really in?
1: Well, partly it was due to Marxists. Now, fascism is a rival socialist ideology. Right. The word Nazi means national socialism. Right. Marxist socialism believed in class struggle Whereas the fascist, just like the critical race theorists of today, said, no, it's not just a struggle between classes. It's a struggle between races. They had a, had a rival system of fascism. Uh, Marxist fascism wants the state to own the mo- means of production. Fascist socialism or national socialism allows private property, but it's in the hands of corporations which actually takes it out of the individual realm. Right. And the economy is completely controlled by the central state. So there are rival views of socialism. And so the Marxists condemned them. And uh, through World War II, they tried to associate the fascists with capitalists. The fascists were the most vicious critics of capitalism. But anyway, (laughs) that has shaped the vocabulary and the way people think. So we say, well, uh, the Marxists are extreme liberals. The fascists are extreme conservatives. But fascism is a totalitarian system where the state controls everything. But any conservative who believes in limited government, who believes in the rights of the individual, who believes in freedom, uh, these whole categories are condemned completely by the fascists. But what they're calling for is something that we're seeing actually in in China today, that blend of some private property and corporations that make a lot of money Mm -hmm. under a totalitarian system. Okay, China basically has a fascist economy. And when we hear today's woke corporations also going on about racial identity and corporate responsibility for the good of the whole and all the rest and stamping out capitalist ideas such as competition, free markets and the like, we're seeing something very similar to a revival of fascist economic.
0: Yeah. And and let me just, because I think, again, we have to say this to the mom and pops on the street. When you have these fascist ideas and you have these command control uh, economies, what you destroy is the middle class and people who are free to do and to raise their own families and to own their own businesses and to be, you know, actually living a life of virtuous freedom, which is what our founding fathers thought was going to be the antidote To tyranny. And I think that's what, what troubles me is that we have people, even within the Christian church, who understand the blessings of freedom, the freedom that comes by faith in Christ, but then also the freedoms that God has given us in this culture. And they don't understand we're giving them away. You're saying that it's even being liquidated. And I think that's what I'm struggling with too, is that we've got to push back, not just have conversations about this, but we've got to make sure that that the political realm, the cultural realm, the media realm, that we have alternative voices there because uh, our voice could be shut down pretty quickly uh, if they owned all
1: the control, uh, the levers of control. Well, it can and it is right it's fault on freedom, not just religious freedom, but things that you know, had been taken uh, for granted by Americans of all political convictions, things like freedom of speech. The the cancel culture censors that. And and it's for the same reason that the fascists did. Uh, in, In fact, it's almost even worse. One of the elements of fascist ethics is the idea of the will the right. triumph of the will that was the name of Hitler's uh, famous propaganda film contrasted to Hitler to uh, uh Luther's bondage of the will I know that just in rereading book after many years I said this those who descended with the regime were seen not as people who disagreed right. intellectually or philosophically but as people with hostile wills. In rejecting the common will, the fascists wanted all people to join in this common will. But the people who opposed that were guilty of not belonging. Mm-hmm. This is why the Nazi apparatus was so thorough in its interrogations. What was wanted was not so much conformity, but assent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can't to the common will.
0: Yeah, you can't. It's not live and let live. It's you will you will say what we're saying is very, very, very good. Or you will be put out of society. Yeah. And we're Those, starting to see we're starting to see many of that. In fact, that's one of the reasons why this effort in, in D.C. is so important, because we're we're fighting to make sure that the church's public voice is protected. So you can proclaim the whole counsel of God, because it is a blessing uh, yeah. to proclaim the whole counsel of God, even to non-believers. Yeah. And I think that's where the church, and let me ask you this question, just your personal opinion, because I really think that people, because a lot of Christians have what I call evangelistic hearts. They, they, you know, they know they're just as sinful as everybody else. And so we don't, if sometimes God's law where he says no sounds very harsh at first, we want to just make sure people know we love them and, 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 and these kind of things. They don't understand that it's God's law that's under attack. In our culture, and we're, and that's being reclassified as hate speech. You won't even be allowed to talk about Jesus eventually because, you know, it starts with God's law, God's law and his gospels about God's grace for all people ultimately. And we're going to cut it off right at the very uh, root. You can't even preach that God created and ordered the world let alone yeah. saved it, yeah. and that's and even, where
1: we're at. Even if you say that, that God saves it, that there's salvation through Christ, even the right. gospel, well, that implies that there's something wrong with every other belief <laughs> right. or lack of belief. Right? If you mean saved. I haven't done anything wrong. Uh, one of the attacks on the, the law and the gospel, really, is this idea of, of relativism, that right. ultimately it's a kind of self-righteousness. It isn't that yes I I disobeyed the law but and I don't and I don't care it's I didn't do anything wrong. Correct. There's nothing wrong with the things that I do. And for right. you to say there is you're trying to impose your power on me. And so when you think in these terms you're eliminating the very ability to even think in anything like biblical terms. Yeah, they it's won't even bad. understand
0: the gospel. The gospel won't, gospel is forgiveness of sin, uh, you know, undeserved uh, earned by Christ alone through the cross and the resurrection, life death and resurrection of Jesus. None of that makes sense if you if you gut the foundations of truth, you gut the foundations of reality, which is what we're seeing. I mean, we're now even debating whether men and women are men and women in in we have biological definitive You know, uh, science, scientific research there, (laughs) and that's now being cast aside too. So, how do you finally get to salvation for sure?
1: Yeah, behind all that is constructivism. We construct reality. There is no objective truth. Even the body, the objectivity of the body, Mm -hmm. that's rejected. And uh, we still talk about science, but really, science itself is at risk by this extreme subjectivist, constructivist rejection of anything that's objective. And that's what we're up against. And that can be traced right back to the early to fascism. Century.
0: Now we'll get to some, some of the things that have changed since your book. And I think the racialization of all this is part of that. Um, but one of the things that I've noticed among all the, the intellectuals and the elites and the college students and all that, they love deconstructionism. They love to deconstruct everything, you know, and they get it to the point where they, they, they think they've got everybody in this kind of box of we don't really know what is true, period they are, but they never, and I, I will go on record. There is, they don't ever really construct anything better. Mm, they, they yeah. because deconstructionism in and of itself feels great because we destroyed something, but I've yet to read a book called constructionism where <laughs> they actually provide something that's more positive and better and more loving than what we already have. And, and so, the,
1: yeah. The problem with deconstruction is it, it Applies against everything, anything you could construct, yeah, is also be deconstructed. And here's here's the issue. Here's the difference between the left today and fascism. They say that everything is just power and laws and morality and government. It's just we need to deconstruct it. But today they use they say everything is just power, and they try to use that in a liberating way. They're trying to free the oppressed. Okay, good, but. If everything is just power, the yeah. logical thing is then exercise power against uh-huh. everyone. And that's what the fascists <laughs> believe. And t- today, the people, those college students are so naive. Another quote from the book, today's le- humane-seeming leftists work with unexamined moral assumptions overlooking the way they've demolished the basis of those assumptions. Right. So if, you've got, if everything can be deconstructed and you're left with a nihilism, Right. Everything right. is wrong, including your kind feelings towards others. Desire not to oppress people. All that's left is power, and it follows that then you should get power and you impose it on others. And the 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 fact the Nazis at least they took that very seriously, and that's right. what we're headed to next. And it's an inescapable conclusion from those uh, premises. Right.
0: You, and that's what I love about what you're saying. The, the Christian worldview stands against whether you call it national socialism, which is fascism, or whether you call it um, Marxist socialism, which is a class version of the same thing, or you call black liberation theology, which is the racialization of all that stuff. All of it is about power. And the thing that stands against all that is the notion that there's a God in heaven, there's objective reality, we're all going to be held accountable to that, and we all seek to, we strive then to live virtuous lives for the sake of others because there's a God in heaven who holds all this accountable to him. And that's the antidote to all of this stuff. And, and so, folks out there, you've got to start realizing that that all this stuff is meant to undermine your ability to proclaim the good news of the gospel. I call it secular statism. Because it undermines the family, it undermines the police, it undermines morality, and everything goes back to the state, and whoever's in charge then gets to tell you what to do. That's where we're heading unless we push back on that. Would you Would you go with me on that? Well, absolutely, I would. <laughs> what I love about your book is you lay out the, the, the educational foundations, the philosophical foundations. In my work, I saw it operating in the city and in politics, and I said, we got to push back on some of these things. For the sake of the very people we're trying to serve. And it's not a matter of self-service. We're not serving ourselves in this way. We care about our neighborhoods. I don't care, I don't care who's in our neighborhood, ethnically or whatever. We care about the individual, the families, the children, and secular statism doesn't. And it's yeah. going to eventually uh, take away the freedoms of all people. And I think our job is to be uh, useful in God's hands, both in the culture and for the sake of the mission of the church. All right, final thoughts. I mean, what are some things you know? If you were talking to some people right now and they just read your book and they went, "Whoa, I didn't know it was like this," and you even said you uh, the difference between your book then and now is that you may have underestimated <laughs> where a lot of this was going. That I didn't like reading
1: that. Yeah, um, it was kind of painful to. I see. <laughs> Yeah, I'm somebody who most people want to be proven that they're right. I like to be proven that I'm wrong because sometimes the things I'm predicting, I hope yeah. they happen. Yeah. But uh, th- there are some differences. One thing, the rise of technology. Uh, in the book back in the early 90s, I t- was talking about television. Right. Uh, uh, now, uh, uh, Herman Goebbels, the propaganda. Uh, uh chief of the Nazis he used film and radio the goal is to create a mass mind mm-hmm. a mass mind uh, and so I talked about uh, I wonder what he could have done with television you know now I'd say I wonder what he could have done with the internet. Now that mass mind is feasible in a way it wasn't even in the 90s or certainly not in the 30s. Yeah. And again,
0: even the word create your reality sounds like a really great thing. It's actually determine your reality and actually conform your reality. Can you imagine what Mussolini or Mao could have done with Facebook? That's how I always say it. (laughs) That's right. You know, and man, they would have made sure you didn't have a a private thought that couldn't be examined by the state. And when you see what they can do now with technology and listening in on your phone and your emails and all these different things, you know, it's it's 1984. But man, it's it's that way in such a way that they may not even have to send the brown shirts, although they do a little bit of that today too, because you'll be so afraid to be found out. And we're seeing a lot of that in our culture. And that's to the detriment of everybody's liberty and life. We can't run away from this stuff. And we just got to deal with it. What are some thoughts that you might have of Of engaging, in fact, like I say it this way, there's always going to be a culture war. I'm not worried whether we win it or lose it. I'm I worry whether we're engaging it for the sake of the culture and for the sake of the mission of the church.
1: Yeah, and it's important that Christians not slip in unintentionally to these same ways of thinking. And the solution to this liquidating this Jewish element that is the Bible Bible, is to return to the Bible, return to the authority of the Bible and to see how the bible can inform the way we think the way we view the world uh, and certainly our faith again many christians many of our mainline friends have liquidated the bible and uh, we can't let ourselves do that right. and um, in the meantime you know we can maybe present an alternative to people who are burnt out or persecuted or casualties of the dominant ways of thinking, and we can be there for them. And uh, maybe things will get so bad that, that people will start waking up and react against what's happening now to something far better. And we need to be there to present what that looks like. Well, I appreciate again, Gene, you get
0: you if you read this book, folks, um, um, Modern Fascism The Liquidating of the Christian Worldview, you're going to see. What we're talking about in ways he's laid out the he's laid out the um, intellectual movements, the foundational movements that that came to fruition in the libertinism of the '60s, the God is Dead movement, and Nietzsche, all of these different things, in such a way we're going, oh wow, that's what's happening. That's why our schools teach this now. That's why our universities teach that now. What I would also add to this, uh, Gene, too, is that. Their foundations are not as solid. Everyone thinks that Darwinism is this solid foundation. It's pseudoscience, like you point out in the book, and it's the foundation of racism. It's the you know the the only difference today between the the white supremacist Enlightenment Darwinism of the last century is now it's multicultural, but it's still supremacist. It's still atheistic, and it still actually says some people are are on the top and others aren't. That that's the alt. Ours is the alternative to that, which is that God creates all people and all people have dignity and worth. So, you can, their foundations are not as solid. But, you know, again, you, you as Christians, have all this at your disposal. And if you really understand that God's Christian, the, the Christian worldview, the biblical worldview is a blessing to people, have at it. Jump in because people's lives are at stake. And, Gene, I just want to say thank you for giving us even more data to help us in creating that, that dialogue.
1: Well, oh, Thanks. I enjoyed our visit.
0: Well, let me ask one last question. Are you rewriting that book? I know you revisited it with some of the, or is, is that something where you just don't have time to, to go
1: back at it again? Oh, it's, it's so daunting and it's such an unpleasant <laughs> task. Yes. It's, it's so depressing to write that book. <laughs> I don't feel up to it. Uh, it does need to be updated. Hey, maybe you could help me. Maybe we just got to, We've got to
0: take the latest machination of it and kind of come after it. But your book has done a great job doing that. Well, appreciate that. Thanks for tuning in today. To get to know our DC work better, check out our website at lcrlfreedom.org. Till next time, God bless you always. I'm Gregory Seltz. Have a great week. You've been listening to Liberty Alert with Dr. Gregory Seltz, executive director of the Lutheran Center for Religious Liberty in Washington, D.C. This program has been brought to you by the Lutheran Center for Religious Liberty.